And now the Bible reading this morning is from uh, Micah. So the, the minor prophet Micah, chapter 5, in the first six verses. And uh, if you're looking it up, it's between Jonah on the one hand and Naam and Habakkuk on the other. I don't know if that's a big help, but uh, there we are. So uh, the prophecy of Micah, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And the heading is, the ruler to be born in Bethlehem. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. And they shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. He shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Amen. Thanks, Steve. It'd be really handy to keep your Bible open there at Micah 5. Uh, those verses that we're going to consider this morning, particularly the first four verses uh, there. Uh, it's between today and on Christmas Day, a couple of days' time, where we have uh, our Christmas service. Uh, we're going to be f- po- focusing particularly on Bethlehem uh, as the place of Jesus' birth. So here from the Old Testament uh, and then also from Luke uh, on Christmas Day. Before we get into this, let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we, we do thank you that we get this opportunity now uh, to have your word open and to consider what you are saying to us. And we pray, Father, that during this time that you would be the one who is speaking uh, to us individually, uh, to our families, and to us together as a church. Uh, Please give us ears to hear what you are saying. Uh, Please give us understanding minds and open hearts. And Lord God, we pray uh, that you would renew us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the questions that I'm sure you have asked people or been asked uh, over the last couple of days is, um, how will you celebrate Christmas? Uh, What are you going to be doing on Christmas Day? It's a question that gets thrown out quite regularly at this time of the year. And the answer that it expects has to do with parties and family gatherings and presents and maybe attending a church service uh, on Christmas Day. We expect that they are the kind of answers that people will give. This morning, though, I 
I don't want to ask, how will you celebrate Christmas? But I do want to ask a kind of related question. Uh, how will you cope with Boxing Day? How will we cope with Boxing Day? You see, the answer to that question uh, depends a lot on how we will celebrate and we will remember Mark Christmas. The way that we cope on Boxing Day is a direct flow on from how we celebrate the Christmas. You see, if, if Christmas is all about family and gatherings and people, well, Boxing Day might be a day that we hide and keep to ourselves. It might be a day where we have to patch up <laughs> some family relationships. If Boxing Christmas Day is a day for indulging, uh, an abundance of food, an abundance of drink, then Boxing Day might be a day where we recover, where our bodies digest a heavy meal, where we might wake up with a headache, where we might cope with the lack of sugar after the sugar rush on the day before. If Christmas is all about gifts, if it's all about accumulating, it's all about getting more and more and more, then, well, Boxing Day might be a day to continue that trend. It might be a day to head out the door at 8 a.m. and hit those Boxing Day sales. Just carry on the, the accumulation of more and more. If we celebrate Christmas as a way to escape, some of the harsh realities of our lives. A day to forget about all of the things that stress us and worry us and just focus on having a good time. Well, then Boxing Day might be the day where we come crashing back down to earth. Where the cold, hard realities of life stare us in the face once again. You see, the way that we mark and the way that we celebrate Christmas has a lot to do with how we're going to cope, how we're going to live on Boxing Day. And this morning, I want to suggest, and God's Word wants to suggest to us, that there is a way of marking, of celebrating, of remembering the birth of Jesus which sets us up well for Boxing Day. A day, sure, where we get together and we exchange gifts and we have a great meal. But a day that is first and foremost about remembering the birth of a Savior. Being amazed by the grace and the humility and the kindness of God come in human form as this little child. That's what sets us up for Boxing Day to be another day when we follow and love and serve our Saviour Jesus. Now we're going to do that by using these verses from the book of Micah. Micah chapter 5. They are written some 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And they're famous, they're well known, of course, 
for being verses which predict, which announce the birthplace of Jesus some 700 years later in the town of Bethlehem. But more than that, the verses which speak of the grace and the humility and the kindness and the power of God come to us in Christ. Now to highlight that this morning, I want to focus on two contrasts that we have here in these verses. Two things which, which stand out almost seemingly opposed to each other, but yet are fitted together here in these verses. And the first one is there in verse 2. And it's a contrast in origins. It's a contrast in where this child is going to come from. Now have a look at verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Now, when we ask somebody today, do you know where Bethlehem is? Everybody goes, yeah, of course, of course I do. It's a town in Israel. It's the place where Jesus is, was born. We know it today as a, as a pretty famous place. And if you go there, it's built up. There's all sorts of things going on there. There's all sorts of tourist attractions and traps and uh, the like going on in that place. But say that 700 years before the birth of Jesus and you would get a different answer. It is a nowhere hick kind of town. It even says that. You're, you're too small, too little to be counted amongst the clans of Judah. When the, uh, when the land was divided up in, in the book of Judges and all the towns in Judah were listed, it doesn't even get a mention. The only thing it's really famous for up until this point is that it is the birthplace of David, the king. And even then, when it was said that David came from Bethlehem, people were like, what? What good could come out of Bethlehem? Be like today, saying that you came from Colac or... Ceres or Bannockburn, people would say, sorry, I've just offended half the church in one foul swoop. <laughs> equal opportunity offending uh, this morning. And people would say, well, well, what good is going to come out of there? But yet, and this is the contrast, look at how that verse carries on. From you shall come forth to me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming is from of old, from ancient days. Here's highlighted two more things about uh, this king, about the birth of Jesus. His earthly origin, his earthly purpose, and his eternal origin. He is a king, a ruler coming out of Israel. He's from the line of kings. He's from the family of David. He's the king that God has been promising. And that's exactly what's going on here in the book of Micah. Micah is, in many ways, a very, very dark book. It's a book which is speaking about coming judgment for God's people. Judgment for their unfaithfulness and their rebellion. They said that they believed in God. They said that they worshipped God. They said it with their mouths, but their lives showed something different. God is saying, well, there's, there's going to come a day when a foreign army will come and trample you down. But out of that judgment, out of that, out of that punishment, 
is going to come a king. A ruler in Israel. The one that God has promised would restore his people. But look at this. He's not just an earthly king. He's a heavenly king. He's one who's coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. He's not just a temporary king. He's an eternal king who existed before the creation of time. From before the world came into being, this king was. From this humble, nothing, hick town, comes the king of eternal significance. And isn't this exactly exactly what we see at the birth of Jesus? He's, he's born under dubious circumstances or dubious surroundings, according to others. He's born to, to nobody parents. He's born in one nothing town at one end of the country, conceived there in Nazareth, and born in another nothing town at the other end in Bethlehem. There's no palace. There's no royal announcement. There's not even any room for him in an inn. He's born in a stable. He's visited by shepherds. And in this humble, almost nothing setting, comes God's eternal king to restore the world. He's visited by rulers from the ends of the earth and worshipped. His birth is announced by angels. He says later in his life that before there was Abraham, there was him. John 1 tells us that through him, the whole world was created. Into this nothing, humble, insignificant setting comes the birth of God's eternal king. That's the first contrast. We're going to think about what that means in a moment, but let's jump into the second one. And it's there in verse 4. And here we have a contrast in power. Contrasted is the greatness of his power to the purpose for which he uses it. Have a look there in verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. This, this, this king is going to come with the strength of God himself. Implied in these verses are the source of his strength and his power. His authority is going to be found in a special relationship that he has with God. He is going to have God's power here on earth. What is more, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. What this is, is that this is power from God plus. It's power plus awe. It's authority plus might. It's power plus majesty. It is God's power and awe and majesty 
being displayed through his reigning. It won't be just brute force. It'll be brute force with all the authority and majesty of God to back it up. And what's he going to use it for? He's going to use it to shepherd his people. That's how the verse starts, doesn't it? Verse 4, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock. Throughout the Bible and elsewhere in the book of Micah, there is reference again and again to God's relationship with his people being like a shepherd to his sheep. One who protects, one who cares for, one who provides for, one who knows the flock, the people under his care. What's the saying? When this eternal king comes, he will come with the power and the authority of God. He will come doing mighty things. And what's he going to use that power for? He's going to use it to care for, protect, provide for, feed. He's going to use this power to know his people. Look at how verse 4 finishes. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of their earth, and he will be their peace. He will use that power and that authority to create a kingdom of peace, safety, and care for his people. And again, isn't that what we see in the life of Jesus. He comes clearly with divine authority from God. He's got power over sickness. Power over evil spirits. He's got power over death. Power over creation. And what does he use that power for? He uses it to care for to provide for. He uses that power to express his love for his people. Think about these two contrasts that we have going on. An eternal king born in an insignificant town. One with all power and authority but yet uses it to love and to care for people. See, when we often think about power and authority, very seldom do we think of it in relation to compassion and love and humility. I read an article uh, in the last uh, week or so uh, reflecting on the state of politics in Australia. And it made the comment that one of the things that we've noticed is that as soon as people get elected to federal parliament, uh, they seem to lose touch with everyday people. They no longer go to the shops. They no longer drive themselves around. We say that about people in authority quite often, don't we? They are out of touch with everyday people. They don't know what everyday people are going through. We so often see people in authority and we see them using that authority 
for their own benefit and their own gain. Seldom do we see authority with humility, power with love and concern for people. But that is exactly what we find and exactly what we see in the birth of Jesus. He comes as God's eternal king with all power and with all authority. And yet he comes in humility to love and to serve. He's never too busy for people. He's never too busy ruling and reigning and displaying his power and his might to care for people. In fact, that's exactly what he uses his reigning and his ruling and his power and his might for. He uses it to care for people. He wants to know what's going on in the lives of his people. In fact, he knows already, but he delights to have his children, his people, talk to him and tell him what's going on. He's concerned about the struggles that we have in our lives. The sin that we wrestle with and struggle with. The relationships which are hurt and are broken. Our worries and our concerns about the future. He's concerned about all of them. And as he hears, he doesn't just provide a shoulder to cry on and a pat on the back. He hears with the power and the authority to do something about it. To provide comfort and love and encouragement. The power to change hearts, lives and minds. He comes with the power to heal relationships. He comes knowing the future. In fact, he comes with the future in the palm of his hands and in his control and in his authority. He comes with the power and authority to forgive and to heal and to transform people. He comes with humility to suffer and to die to carry sin on his own life so that you and I can be restored back to God. This is a Jesus that we can depend on and trust completely. This is a Savior that we can, we can trust him with the entirety of our lives. Every single moment each day, each struggle, each triumph, each worry. We can trust him with our brokenness and our sinfulness. We can trust him to deal with our sinfulness and our shame. Because he has done that on the cross. We can trust him to restore our relationship with God. To bring us back to our heavenly father. 
because he paid the penalty for our sin. If this Christmas, this Christmas time, is the first time that we put our hope and our trust in him for forgiveness and for life, then Boxing Day may be the first day of forever, knowing and following and loving our Saviour Jesus. We can trust him to deal with our deepest and darkest secrets. He knows them anyway. He loves us in spite of the things that we try to hide from him. We can trust him with our hurt and our pain, our sadness and our sorrow. And maybe this this Christmas time is a time again to cast our burdens on him because he cares for us. Maybe Boxing Day will be a day of freedom and peace and hope as we once again put our burdens on him. And we can trust him with our future, with all of our uncertainties, our worries and our anxieties. We can trust him to be in control and to be good and to provide for us each and every day. And as we do that this Christmas time, then maybe Boxing Day is a day of hope, a day of renewed enthusiasm for loving and serving a Saviour with all power and authority and might, but who comes in humility and who comes to save. Let's pray to him, shall we? Lord God, we want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you for this time of year, for time off, time with family, time celebrating, times of gifts given and received. But most of all, we want to thank you for the birth of our Saviour Jesus. Thank you that he came with all authority and with all power. And thank you that he has used that to love and to rescue us. Thank you, Lord God, that because of Christmas, we belong to you now and forever. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to commit the entirety of our lives to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.